It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. <laughs> hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Uh, welcome again, everybody. On this uh, Thursday, we've got uh, a brilliant little day outside. We've got a little bit of rain rolling into uh, the uh, region tonight and tomorrow, but uh, we'll get through it. Uh, the great Cy Seymour is going to join us coming up in a, a little bit as uh, we have one of those abbreviated weeks. There's just some weeks it's not your week. And this is not my week this week, Bill. Got a lot of uh, levels. So, uh, do we you know. need to play Hold My Beer, Patrick? <laughs> no, we don't have time today. <laughs> uh, segment one, it was, a short, it was a short sports press conference this week or today. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, I did, there's something I wanted to talk about that we really haven't had time to talk about all week because of. Um, you know, Monday, a shortened show when we talked to Coach Godwin, and then, you know, I've got the tiebreakers uh, inside Pirate Athletics gig. Got to get over there. So it's a little bit of a shorter show that day for me. Um, we had, and there was a lot to talk about in, in regards to the ECU that weekend uh, on Monday out of the weekend. And then Tuesday, we didn't have a show. Yesterday um, was a shortened show because of women's basketball. And so, you know, today's really the only full length. Uh, kind of show we've got and you know I'm just uh, I want to kind of get to some other things that we haven't had much of a chance to talk about this week including Pilk uh, I didn't know this till this morning I was this morning years old when I learned how much your boy Travis Kelsey spent on T-Swift for Valentine's Day oh goodness do I even want to know or do I just want to try and throw you off your game and make you talk about the Daytona 500 why don't you tell <laughs> talk about the Daytona which you were excited because your boy William Byron won, right? Oh, yeah. That's why you got the picture of me smoking the celebratory stogie after the race. Stogie as if you were Red Arbuck. Um, so I think that you um, would be – just guess. If you had to guess, how much do you think he spent for, for Valentine's Day? I don't have all the breakdown like Henry read me this morning, and I think he misread some of the numbers because it didn't quite add up to this. But but uh, he spent a gargantuan. I can remember what he spent on roses. So go ahead and you tell me. Um, I'm going to guess one point five million. No, 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 no. It's not that outlandish. I don't okay. think he makes. But yeah, it's it's five figures. I'll just I'll put it at that. Five okay, figures. eighty thousand. No, surprisingly, sixteen thousand wow. dollars. Seven grand of it was roses, however. Seven grand in roses. What is she going to do with all those roses? Put a lot That's of them in each ha- room of her house. I mean, she's probably got a big house. It's T Swift we're talking about here, but right. Yeah. But I, the reason I, why I guessed one point five million, I didn't know if he bought like a one point two million dollar car or some crazy crap like that, and then, you know, <laughs> spend three hundred thousand in chocolate and jewelry. You know. And I often hear, uh, what are you going to get somebody who doesn't have, uh, who has, uh, you know, everything? And that would be the issue with me is what are you going to get somebody who has everything? And that would be her. <laughs> so uh, I know a- he, he, got, 
he got a, a, a very expensive beret and a scarf for her. And, you know, I guess it's the thought that counts. But I mean, is this, this is a case where these ladies like this or this lady likes, cause this guy could spend, this is always proving my fact or my uh, theory that, uh, you know, you could be the worst human and worst looking human on earth, but if you have plenty of money, it, it really doesn't matter. Um, I get what you're saying, but if you're heard, you want a guy who's got money solely because you don't want some guy who wants you for your money. Right. And right. you know, if, if she dated somebody like us, you know, normal five figure job here, she would be, we would, she would think we're just in it for her billions. Right. Lots of, uh, things to tell you about uh and again a story i wanted i wanted to get to all week we just didn't have the time uh marvin jarman's uh, memorial just to to remind you of that or the service uh arrangements uh the visitation and viewing tomorrow from four until six thirty at wilkerson's funeral home and the memorial service will take place sunday at two at jh rose inside of the rose garden wear rose green as opposed to what you might would normally wear uh to a somber event such as a uh, funeral uh, and that is to honor, that's uh, the, the wish from Marvin and the family to honor, uh, you know, Rose Rampitz, which he was Mr. Rampit. So, uh, all right. Let's see here. Um, what I wanted to tell you is the ACC late Friday last week asked a judge uh, in Florida to pause the lawsuit that Florida State filed which claims the conference is breaching its contract until the case in North Carolina, which is a similar case in a Mecklenburg County court concludes the ACC and Florida state sued each other in late December to resolve a dispute over what the university would have to pay. If it opts to leave the conference lawyers for the Seminoles estimate the school would have to pay 527 million to withdraw from the league and regain control of its media rights, severing a contract that isn't scheduled to expire until 2036, the uh, fees are argued as uh, draconian and unreasonable restraints of trade in the state of Florida. So the two sides battling to determine which state court should rule on their dispute. The ACC wants the case to play out in North Carolina, where the headquarters are. Florida State wants it to be heard on their home turf, a circuit court judge in Tallahassee. ACC's filing on Friday argues that its grant of rights contract is governed by North Carolina law and that their North Carolina-based lawsuit, lawsuit should take precedence because it is it was first filed one day before Florida State submitted their court, uh, their case to a Florida court. Uh, Tampa Bay Times on that same day writing, buried in the 40-plus pages legalese the ACC made and a court filing Friday was a potential solution for the conference's weeks-long legal back-and-forth with Florida State. The Seminoles could buy back their TV rights from the conference. The ACC contends it owns those rights through 2036. That's because FSU signed a document called a grant of rights in 2016. Florida State granted the rights to broadcast its home games to the ACC through 2036. The ACC sold them to ESPN and distributes the money back to FSU and its peers. Whether that deal is enforceable could ultimately be decided by a judge in Leon County or Mecklenburg County, North Carolina. Again, this is from the Tampa Bay uh, Times here. So if, uh, well, let me read this before I give the third option here. Let me see. Uh, as the ACC argues, FSU estimates it could lose, it is risks losing up to $427 million in TV revenue if 
FSU is correct, then the Knowles could exit for free. The ACC's motion presents a third option. So here that is. If Florida State wishes to regain control of their rights before the end of the term, it could attempt to repurchase them. But having to buy back a right which was assigned is not a penalty. It is simply a commercial possibility, a commercial possibility that had been raised previously in the dueling lawsuits. A price was not specified like everything in this legal fight into subject to negotiation. So I guess that's where the Florida State people think they're out is now. But I don't see how that's going to gonna be, uh, you know, cost prohibitive, much like um, what's going on there now is not cost prohibitive, if that kind of makes sense, if you know what I'm saying. Um, so what do you think of that, Pilk? I don't, I don't think it gets Florida State out any cheaper, because that's essentially what they're fighting for here is television money. So I don't think it gets them out any cheaper. It might prevent the legal you know um it may prevent the legal back and forth and negotiation to try to get whatever it's going to be to get out of their current deal but i i can't see it can you being something that uh that would necessarily be that much cheaper because it's all kind of subject for negotiation at this juncture yeah i think what this is going to do is it's going to lay a foundation for a clear path to your point, Patrick, that clear path is still going to have a very large dollar amount, which, like you said, will probably not be any cheaper for Florida State. But what it is going to allow Florida State to do is get out prior to that 2036 and allow them to jump ship into the SEC or the Big Ten so that when we do have this football break-off that's going undoubtedly going to happen, then they can just jump right out of the SEC or the Big Ten because those are going to be the two conferences that create this football Super League. Well, and the other thing I would say is this. If the ACC cedes any ground on this without it being such a harsh financial penalty that it's crippling the Florida State, then it's it's going to be Katie bar the door and everybody's going to get out. Everybody's going to get out of there. And the ACC will go the way of the Pac-12 quite possibly. I mean, there's rumor and innuendo that NC State is Virginia Tech are talking to the Big 12 right now. That's some of the latest rumor and innuendo from the week. Again, a lot of things that have come out this week. We just haven't had time to talk about them. All right, uh, let's hit a pirate report really quick because we got Cy Seymour in the offing, and I know uh, Pilk's got a busy evening ahead. He's a man about uh, town. So here is today's pirate report. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's pirate report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Right is playing as well as anyone right now. Of course, they're coming off a big win against UAB where they blew them out last night. Uh, getting ready to uh, head to Houston to play Rice. Uh, I think this league said a lot last night when you see some of the results, and I think we're getting ready to play a team that, uh, quite honestly, I think is playing as good as anybody in the conference right now in Rice. I look at them over their last six games, and they could very easily uh, be have five wins out of six games. Uh, they have two losses, one in overtime, one in a late possession game, and they won two games, and then last night, obviously, a very, very impressive win, so I think this team is playing as good as any team in the league right now. Mike Swartz, when he talked uh, or asked about his team's mindset heading into the game. Really just kind of, you know, that's you know, just the game is Saturday. The game is Saturday at 1 o'clock, and, you know, the Central time in terms of that's the game where we're preparing for and what we've done coming into this 
uh, really it's kind of irrelevant going into this game. And uh, coach on the importance of playing defense this week. I have so much respect for Rice and Coach Scott Perra. I've known him for a long time. I know what kind of great job they do there. And again, I just think they're really hitting their stride in terms of how well they're playing. Last night, they scored 90 plus points. I think last night's win at UAB is as good of a win as anyone has in this conference to go on the road and in a team that's basically in the top four of this conference and to win handily the way they did. So, uh, the, the preparation is always we, we need to play good defense to even give ourselves a chance on Saturday. Uh, but just Rice is a really good team. All right, and uh, that'll be a 2 o'clock tip on Saturday, 1.30 airtime on uh, 107.9 WNCT and 94.3 the game. Pirate baseball uh, tomorrow will be preempted. They actually have moved the start time back of game one in Chapel Hill because of weather earlier in the day to 5 o'clock, so that'll be a 4.45 airtime here on 94.3, the game for Pirate uh, Baseball. Uh, you know what? I think the Saturday game actually will not be on 94.3 for basketball. I think uh, that'll just be on 107.9, won't it? Yeah, that's correct. I guess correct. so. Yeah, and, uh, but 107.9 will be where, base, uh, where basketball is baseball uh, here on 94.3, the game. So there you go. Uh, you Savage, Root, and Hunter. Going for the Pirates. Uh, I have not seen the Chapel Hill starters, and uh, it's not anything I have to concern myself with necessarily, Pilk. So, <laughs> not. But uh, it is uh, a time that has been pushed back to 5 o'clock tomorrow. So, there you have uh, that. Pilk, have I missed anything today in the wide array of headlines? It's been a very uh, up and down day today, very confusing day. A lot of. Uh, out of the blue calls that uh, have rolled in uh, both uh, good and not so great. So uh, I've been a little preoccupied, as it were, today. Is there anything that I have missed in the wide world of sports that uh, that we need to discuss before we we take a, a hiatus here in a little bit? We might do hold my beer. I doubt it, though. We don't have time. we got Cy Seaboard coming up. I do not believe you have. I just checked with William, our intern, and he confirmed that there's nothing big that we've missed. Didn't William cover something recently for us? He covered basketball or something? Is that right? Uh, he had to cover baseball on Sunday because we had two people baseball. producing, one person going, and uh, he stepped in like a champ and went to the baseball game. Did, that go? Did I go well for William at the baseball game on Sunday? I thought it went well. He says it went well. So I haven't got a text from Chip saying he was acting up in the press box. So, you know, no text well, from Chip is good. From William is a good boy. I wouldn't expect that from William. Good boy, that boy, that William. He's been a great addition to the team here. Um, all right. Tell you what. Let's uh, take a break. We'll come back. The great Cy Seymour will join us. We're going to talk ECU and Rice. Owls laid it on UAB last night. They shot like 60% from the floor, had four guys in double figures. Now you're going. I mean, UAB is playing well, too. So here is a timeout on the PJ Show, and we come back. Here on 94.3 The Game, 94.3thegame.com, and the IBX Media app. We're going to hear, or rather talk, uh, hear from Cy Steamer and talk to Cy Coming up. We are. We are. We are. Riding shotgun with you on the drive home. It's go time. This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Back in on the Patrick Johnson Show, we've got East Carolina basketball coming your way on Saturday here on 94.3. The game is ECU will travel to Rice. That'll be a 2 o'clock tip. 
with a 1.30 airtime for uh, Pirate basketball. Cy Seymour covers the Pirates. He uh, has done so for years and years and years. Many years as the radio analyst now with uh, ESPN Plus covering ECU. And uh, despite my best efforts, uh, he, he continues to, to trudge along here and have to deal with me. But that's okay. That's all right. Cy, how are you? I'm good, Patrick, and you're great to work with. You know, uh, you know how much I think of you, and it's a lot of fun. And I'm doing fine, and uh, I'm down. Uh, I'm, I'm taking this interview a little bit further up the coast, but uh, I'm in good shape. I'm okay. Well, look, there's worse places to be than at the beach, as you know, Cy. And, That's uh, right. That's right. And we That's both right. know it. Uh, big win for East Carolina against Tulane last time out. Uh, you know, I, I, I think uh, lost in all the hubbubaloo of uh, the big sports weekend for the Pirates, and, and rightfully so. It was a huge weekend for all ECU athletics, but also the baseball season opener. Uh, beating Tulane, especially holding them some 17 points below their average, big deal. Yeah, it, it really was a big deal. I, I thought uh, I thought ECU really defensively just came out, and that's what they're doing. They That's why they're winning. They, they play great defense, and uh, – they came out and and fifty eight points against a really good uh, Ron Hunter's ball club's going to score points and to hold them to that was really really special and give credit to Mike Schwartz and his staff uh, for pre- preparing that if they have team time to prepare I don't think there's anybody better that prepares than ECU and a, a really big win. Cy, uh, what really stands out in that game is the continued strong play of both R.J. Felton and kind of a resurgence after a lull for Brandon Johnson this season. Yeah, I really think that those two guys are your leaders, and, and they have to step up in the last two ball games, They've done that. They have really played well. Uh, RJ's been more consistent. Uh, but now Brandon's back to where he needs to be. He can rebound the ball. He plays hard, and he's, he's knocking down his jump shots. He's doing a really good job. And, and we talk about it on the air. Walker is he's playing really well. When you look at what Walker's doing, yeah, Jaden Walker, six sure. foot five. Yeah. Jaden does things that he does things off the ball. He can guard anybody one through five. He, he gets rebounds. He can score a lot, but when he does, like at the end of the half, he hit a layup that he can finish strong at the rim, and it's so important that he does that. And I think the other, and you, we talk about a lot. We're seeing the growth. Bobby Patterson, and we're also seeing the growth of Cam Hayes. They're getting back to playing for him. They hadn't played a lot in the last few years. In the last two ball games, they have really stepped up, and that's why ECU for the first time is seven and six in this league. In a, in a really good league, ECU's in in the, in the upper top part or in the middle part. They've got separation when they beat Tulane, but really strong showings by ECU, and it's it's been a group. And I'm leaving out guys. I know that, yeah. but. You can see it kind of emerging, and and if they can keep that going, uh, they can have they can have a strong end of the year here. The great Cy Seymour joining us here on the Patrick Johnson Show this afternoon. Cy, as you look at uh, the coaching job that Mike Schwartz has done, but also you've got Mark Adams and the other assistants. You're a coach's guy. I'm a coach's son, so we we both like to give shine to the uh, to the head coaches and the assistants because they're very important. But I I, I think it's a real testament to that group that you're seeing ECU the last two seasons, but especially this season, play better basketball 
now than they were maybe in parts of November and December. That's that's the old Dave Odom. You're either you're either ascending or descending. You're never staying the same in a season. And, and you know, February is such a critical time, and ECU's picked the right time to really get better. And credit to that staff, every one of them, every guy on that staff, if you see them, you got to pat them on the back. They've held this team together, and, and like we're talking about all the time, you got the portal talks, you got this, you got that. And this team has stayed together, molded, and, and they're doing it through thick and thin, and they're getting stronger as for each game. And we're we're now in you know in the end of February we're still in the thick of it and that that never happens at ECU I've never I've never seen a team that you can talk about like this and uh, the, uh, really fans need to get out and support this ball club because they are really doing a good job. Cy uh, Ezra Azar, I go ask coach about this the other night and obviously during the course of the season you're going to have ups and downs. He's maybe in a little bit of a valley right now. How can Ezra turn things around and be? productive and contribute to the team in your mind well first of all he's a, he's a sophomore and sophomores have a tendency to do this we the term sophomore slump is not really off you, you usually see that because you expect so much out of them and they get feeling bad because i had such a good freshman year i know I, and then they get a little frustrated and down on themselves ezra's just got to play hard continue to work at what he does best and uh They'll, and they'll coach him up. Now, they're going to work hard at getting him to do it, but he's got to stay focused on doing the right things. He's got abilities. He's just struggling right now, but he's got a game, and he's playing. he, he can get it back. And, and he's got a great staff, and he's got a great surrounding cast of people, uh, the players, that can complement his game. So he's just got to stay with it, keep working hard. That's what you do. And he, he's engaged. It's not like he's you know out to lunch on I mean, he – he goes to the bench. His body language is good. He's vocal. I, I think That's he. Right. I think he wants to do. I mean, I think Ezra wants to do well. I think Ezra's personality confuses people sometimes. But he, he he's right. a really effervescent kid and a bright kid. And, and you make a great point. We don't know what's going on in the mind of these young people because, you know, he he probably came in putting a lot of pressure on himself this year, and he's hearing right. things people say crazy things that. Well, Ezra's stock is down. No, it's just it's the evolution of a player. I mean, just just because somebody's highly recruited doesn't mean they don't have time to develop their career. I mean, that's that's the crazy thing I think with basketball now and fans and and to a degree the media. And you've got a staff that's really good at development, and so just stay with it and keep working hard. Ezra will be fine. And the little things uh, that you don't want him to do. I mean, he gets a thunder dunk. And, and he celebrates a, about a half a second too long on the rim. And I'm, I'm literally saying a half a second. Well, in college basketball, the transition game, it, it's all about a half a second and a second. You got to get back. You can hang on in a, but not, don't, don't stay there long because they're going the other way with the ball out of bounds. And so those little things that you got to do the right way, uh, things like bringing the ball down too low and, and things like that, you can correct. Ezra's got the game. He's going to be fine. He's just got to keep working on it. Cy, uh, we got a lot of season left to be played here, and there's a JUCO wing that's committed. Uh, there are, uh, of course, high school recruits. Uh, there's going to be the portal. When you look at uh, the the job of recruiting, and you got to recruit your own roster now, but when you look at all yeah. of that, it, it really, you know, what, what do you think? Uh, what do you think that the next, you know, kind of step as far as players? 
that need to be added as pieces of the puzzle. And this is not to besmirch anybody. And who knows who who will return from this roster? Not not necessarily, you know, because they're asked to go, or they might just on their own volition decide they don't want to to play. I mean, we don't, and I don't know sure. anything. We're just, you know, this is all just conversation. But w- when you look at it, if you're able to, you know, hold intact the the majority of this roster, what would you say would be some pieces that ECU needs to to definitely get to the next level? Well, I, this, and look again, this is a whole new world for me too. It's the portal and seeing kids on. But it's teams. kind so of I the way you just, recruited when you coached at the JUCO level because yeah, it's a new team. It really every is a JUCO. You know, I was really fortunate. Uh, we had really good high school coaches in the area. And and I know Art Paschal and Jimmy Green, those guys at North Newburn High were really good. This is how crazy it was because you knew every two years you were turning over. You tried to get at least six of your kids that you know the systems that they were in back then. So I would try to get at least six kids from Newburn, Havelock, West Carteret, six of the kids, uh, uh, West Craven, you know, I tried to get kids that were playing in systems that I knew the systems could, I could go right into it. I didn't have to wait. You know, I didn't have to reteach. Uh, that was really nice because I was a one man show. So you had to do it that way. And generally, and then I would get six out of the area that were talents that were really good. But the bottom line for, for this staff, to me, I think the thing is they need experience and they need experience now. So I think they've got to go to the portal. Look for graduate students or something. I think they need to get maybe a couple of shooters and a big, uh, at least two to four guys. That's how crazy it all is. But you don't know what you're going to lose. You may end up getting four to six guys. So you've got to recruit it like I, I hope they come back situation. And, and listen, I thought Mike Schwartz did maybe one of the top jobs in this conference last year by retention, he kept kids that we were thinking, will Brandon come back? Will RJ come back? Will Ezra come back? Three of them, they came back. And, and, and Walker, would we have them? We kept them. The retention part, and that's what colleges look at now. Can we keep students? The retention part and the recruiting part. So right now, he's right now probably still working on, can we keep the kids we've got? And then those that go, now you've got to replace, but if I'm replacing, I'm probably going shooters and in the portal. And and because uh, the three is so important, the three is so important. Uh, and then you got to go from there and, and, and bigs, shooters and bigs. And, and then you got to see what happens and then adjust it. Uh, I think what they're recruiting in, in Florida is really good because they're looking at a really strong point guard that's dominating, I think that's, that's, that's a great one. But that's one of them. That's what you do. Uh, these coaches, and look, if you think we know, they are in it every day and working yeah. as hard as they can. They're going to try to get it right. Uh, but every coach is going through this, and it's very, very difficult. We're going to have more with Cy Seymour coming up on the Patrick Johnson Show, so don't you dare go away. Six games, and they could vary Philip Pilkins here with your 94-3 The Game Sports Flash Update and Pirate Report. The Pirates start a three-game series with North Carolina tomorrow. Make note, the first game 
does have a change in time due to inclement weather. The game has been moved to 5 o'clock, which means it will be a 4.45 airtime right here on 94.3 The Game. Saturday men's basketball will take on Rice, and Coach Schwartz says the Owls are playing just as good as anyone in the conference. Six games, and they could very easily uh, be have five wins out of six games. Uh, they have two losses, one in overtime, one in a late possession game, and they won two games. And then last night, obviously, a very, very impressive win. So I think this team is playing as good as any team in the league right now. That game can be heard on our sister station, 107.9 on Saturday. The network coverage will start at 1.30 for that just after 2 o'clock tip. Also this weekend, the softball team will host the Pirates Invitational. They will be hosting Towson, NC Central, and Ryder. That was supposed to start at 10 o'clock. That has been bumped back to 1 o'clock tomorrow. Those games will also be played some on Saturday as well as Sunday. The lacrosse team will be in Greenville, South Carolina as they travel to Furman for the weekend. And the indoor track team has the conference championships this this weekend. ECU football has announced their new defensive end and outside linebackers coach Rico Zachary will join the Pirate Nation. He is currently the head coach at Westlake High School in Georgia. However, Coach Zachary did spend time with Blake Carroll at Kennesaw State. The Canes are back in action tonight as they host the Panthers and trying to make it four in a row. MLB spring training got started. The Cactus League today with the San Diego Padres and the Dodgers. The Dodgers put up a snowman in the first inning of the that game and currently lead 14 to 1 in the top of the seventh. More Cactus League games tomorrow. However, the Grapefruit League does not start until Saturday. That'll do it for your 94 3 game sports flash update and pirate report. More with Cy Seymour on the other side of this timeout. Sometimes you just don't know if you want to kiss him or slap him. Either way, he'd probably like it. The Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. No show tomorrow. We'll be preempted for Pirate Baseball. we got Pirate Basketball this weekend with the 130 airtime on 107.9 WNCT and 94.3 The Game. Cy Seymour is uh, with uh, me here this afternoon on the PJ Show as he is uh, enjoying life down at the beach right now. Uh, Cy, let's... uh, let me ask you one other thing. We talked about, you know, the portal and what you got to go get and retaining players. We, we invoked the name of Mark Adams uh, in our last segment and uh, talking about the assistants. Uh, you know, I think Mark Adams has as much to do with why this team has succeeded this year defensively and improved as anything. And that's not to say that Mike Swartz hasn't had his hand in it, but I think in many ways it's allowed Mike to be more of a CEO uh, than, than just to concentrate solely on defense. But, let me ask you, you know, he, he got a pretty healthy buyout. He obviously has had a really good career. If he's able to stay in Greenville, isn't that going to be a big deal for this program? Well, I think any time you get a coach of that caliber to be in your program, I mean, this guy was the Big 12 coach. Of the, I mean, he's the real deal, and a great defensive coach. Now, don't, don't, let, don't, don't let anybody kid you. Mike Schwartz is the head coach and is a great defensive coach. And he but he lets you know Mark Adams speak up and do, but Mike is the head guy. Sure. And 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 but the bottom line is he he's getting a lot of good help. I think all of them are good. Every coach he's got, Riley, all all of them are just so good. But uh, if you can keep a piece of the puzzle like Mark, because Mark is older and he's been through the wars as a head coach, and he's got to be tried. Listen. You have, and his, you got to be careful there because he doesn't want to push in too much because he's been there. So he has to go kind of long, 
he does it the right way. He don't want to step in and he, you know, he's chomping at the bit to go all the way in to, to tell, but he knows Mike Schwartz is the head coach. So he's doing it the right way. Yeah. He, he's really, he's, he's the, you know, it's like I said, uh, elder statesmen are the best. They, they, they really are. You know, he doesn't have to prove a thing. He's seen it all. And, and Mike's smart enough to use Mark Adams with his wisdom to help his program. And, and you know what? Mark Adams is smart enough to know how far he can go and not make, make Mike Schwartz upset, you know, cause he, he's, he's just beginning his career as a head coach. It's the best of both worlds if you can keep him. Uh, and I hope he stays because when I get to talk to him, he, he gets it and he, he pre, he likes his ball club. He likes working here. You know, Riley played for him. So it, it's a, it's a group of people that, that really are really good at what they do. And we're fortunate enough to sit back and watch it. And it's a treat. Um, Mark, uh, you know, the, you know, the thing that Mike Schwartz does, his energy level and his intelligence level are all ends are, are really working hard. And here's a guy that can calm you down a little bit, say, maybe try this or talk to Riley, who's fired up too. It's, it's a great team over there. All the coaches. I'm, I'm leaving all, all names. I'm sorry, but they're, they're all good. They're excellent. And we just want them to, you know, that's part of the key. If you can keep coaches, that's a big deal yeah, too. It is. Uh, Cy Seymour, analyst on ESPN Plus for ECU basketball. Uh, next broadcast of uh, Plus will be the season finale on the ninth against Charlotte. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, first up, though, Cy, uh, is – Rice and all they did yesterday was go on the road and shoot sixty percent and blow out <laughs> UAB in Birmingham ninety four seventy one and uh, they were led by uh, Mason Makai Mason with nineteen and six assists he also had six rebounds um, you know what's interesting and, and then you know they they had the Ford too that scored eighteen uh, points so I mean this is not a team that uh, you got to. This is a group that can score some points, and uh, that's yeah. that's kind of the thing you have to sort of, you know, be concerned about here. Is that they're going to pump in some some numbers. They're gonna they're gonna knock down some uh, shots if they're hot, and you're going to be in their building. You've been to that that barn before. Uh, it's it's yeah. not exactly an easy place to play as the visitor, just because it's just not a it's not a huge atmosphere per se. Yeah, not at all. You know, this is a school that's basically got 4,000 to 5,000 undergraduates, but they also have an $8 billion endowment. It's 17% of, you know, acceptance rate. It's, it's kind of like the Duke of Texas is what, what Rice is. And, and, and uh, you know, they're great in baseball. They're no longer the baseball power that they once were. I know people will say, well, we got Rice in the league, but they haven't been Rice since – the older statesmen left that job. They're not the same in baseball. Basketball, they've always struggled. But listen, they beat Memphis at Memphis, too, this yep. year already. Yep. You know, they shot 58% from three uh, yesterday against Andy Kennedy's ball club at UAB, which is a good, good upper crust ball club. So they're going to come in, and you're going to be ready. Uh, Pierre's going to have his team, Scott Perry's going to have his team ready to play. And this confidence level here, when he just beat UAB, who was is who is now nine and four, they're going to come in home and they're going to be confident. So you're going to see two teams, ECU's confident, but this Rice team is confident. Uh, and so that and that they show the potential. When you beat Memphis at Memphis this year, 
And then you also beat UAB, who's the upper echelon of this league. They're good, even though their record doesn't show it. You know, they are much better than you think. They are right there. You know, they're four and seven, but I mean four and nine. But when you talk about they beat Rice and UAB, you better you better bring your A game. Yeah, because they can if they're hot, they beat anybody. Yeah. Also, last night Charlotte gets uh, throttled by Memphis, who wins by uh, twenty four. And uh, Memphis, look, if they're going to make any kind of run, it has to start now. That's right. And that's what's scary. And ECU has Memphis at home after this UA, after this game with Rice. They have them next week. That's another one people need to come out to. They have Memphis coming in, and Memphis is the wounded animal. And, you know, and, and when you think about it, they're the Yankees. They're the Dukes. They're the Carolinas of this league. No, Everybody's scared of them. That, you know, it's in their it's in their DNA to win, and they and and they think they should win every game. They they just think that way. And right now they're struggling, and they're trying to stay in, alive. And and you better be ready because this team is too good uh, to stay where they are. They're eight and six. Right? You know, ECU seven and six, and they're trying to get back up to where they need to be. And beating Charlotte by twenty four moves Charlotte down to eleven and three. Mm-hmm. And USF right now is, you know, give credit. I, who would have fought? You, I've heard you say it on the air. You got the coach of the year there. He's 13 and one. I mean, he, he is, USF is having a heck of a year. Uh, and so and then Florida Atlantic and, and Charlotte, uh, they're right there at 10, right. Florida Atlantic 10 and three and Charlotte 11 and three. Well, speaking of Florida Atlantic side, they're at Memphis on Sunday. Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. It's crazy. And and all of a sudden you could look up and they lose that one. It, it is really a, a, a mixture of teams that uh, who knows who's going to win what. And uh, what ECU's do, they're walking to a tough situation to win and then turn around and come home against uh, a wounded Memphis team that is playing like that. I mean, you beat Charlotte by twenty four. That, that and Charlotte was in second place. Yeah. Well, now you know it moves them down with three losses. There's three of them tied there. SMU's coming on strong too at, at uh, ten and three. They're playing really well. Uh, let me it's ask you: league. Is Amir Abdur Rahim the coach of the year for USF? I mean, that's kind of a settled, settled piece so. of information. And then I mean, I, no I, I think I, 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 he's thirteen and one, and they were picked last. I mean, or you know, near the end. So you got to say he's the coach of the year, and you know what he did at the portal. I mean, he brought nine kids in, one freshman, and they're they're just playing good, and and, and basically emptied the roster. And uh, those kids have bought in; they're playing well, and, and give them credit. They uh, knocked off UTSA on the road yesterday. They'll play SMU Sunday, so that's a pretty nice little doubleheader for the American Sunday. SMU at South Florida at noon, and then at two, uh, U, uh, FAU in Memphis. Not bad basketball mm-hmm. watching Sunday. Uh, then you got yeah. uh, they'll go to Charlotte uh, on March second, have Tulane in their building, and then close it out at Tulsa. So that's kind of the uh, the run there for South Florida. You know, I would say uh, fairly favorable. I mean, the, you got SMU, yeah. but you got them at home. Um, you do have Charlotte on the road, but, but I would say, you know, Tulane and Tulsa, those are, those are games that you would imagine USF would be favored in. So I think that's, that bodes well for them. Ultimately, 
I mean, in your mind, is there a possibility that if FAU wins the tournament uh, in Texas in a couple of weeks that this would only be a one-bid league? Yes, yes, yes. Not enough quad one wins, yeah. And yet the league is really good. I'll tell you what, we're going to have a great showing in the other tournaments because these teams are good enough to beat anybody. Yeah, just how, the way how, do the we, how do we solve that? Because, I mean, there is good basketball in this league. And, I mean, there are teams that – not saying would win the whole thing, but I mean, there are teams that could get in the tournament and and be real trouble, and you know, make a run maybe, and it's just or you know, at least win a game. It's just to me, I've never quite gotten wrapped my mind around is you know why why don't people acknowledge what you and I see, kind of game in and game out. There's some really good teams in this league. Well, the the thing that I think about is in the pro golf tour, you you take after two days, you take about 30%, okay? In, in, base, in basketball, in, uh, in football, we're having bowl games with like 75% of the teams go to a bowl game. It's, it, it is really ridiculous what we do in football. I think what they should do, because there are 350 teams, is you go, you double their mind. You go to 128. And you can do away with conference tournaments. I don't care what you do because they don't mean anything anymore. You just go ahead to 128 and take the teams that should be in there. And, and so all of a sudden now you're taking – and you, you take – everybody gets an automatic bid, which is 30-some bid. Well, that means 90 other schools are getting in. Now everybody's in there that should be because you can just go by RPIs. You can you can do it the or right way the there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, go by the net, and all of a sudden, you know, they're in. And it's okay. And, and look, it's basketball. It, you play through two times a week. It's not like you couldn't fit this in. It, it, you could even fit it in with a conference tournament. You could still do this. It's it's just it just makes sense. I would I, I would think the way to go is drop the tournament, the conference tournaments, and have sites and or, or let the higher seed play at home. Everybody plays one game extra, and then you're down to sixty four. Uh, and, and it's not that, and and it's well deserved. You're still only taking a third of the teams. You know, people will say to me, "Hey, look, we went to a football bowl game." Well, if you're six and six, you know, should you have been in a bowl game? That should be dropped down. They're doing it right now. What that should be in football, you have 130 teams. You should probably have bowls that have 40 teams. You should have 20 bowls. You know, that's what we should have. Instead, we have 42 bowls. 84 teams go. You you really watered it down. And you know what? It really, that was really done for for the to to keep the heat off of the four game teams that are being played in bowl games, the, yeah. the four teams they take from Final Four. That's not the answer. Open that up to 16 teams. That's enough. I don't – you know, you won't have – I know you can't get to 40 bowls because of the trouble, but then you have an alternative bowls after you take a 16-team playoff system then take the other 20, you know, 12 teams and play another bowl game. I mean, it, it, it's crazy what we do in football. Uh Instead of arguing about this team being in and, and Florida State being left out, they wouldn't have been left out. Yeah. And now they're going to go to right. a slightly edited version of that. But I'm saying take 16 teams and go 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 a month tournament. That's what you and, and you go a month. I mean that's what it is. You go from 16 to eight to four to three, and you're in the championship game. It's it's not that hard. That part of it. The part part you're doing now is how you going to do it all. It's going to get difficult. It's going to get difficult to do what they're trying to do. We'll see how it works out. Hey, Cy, thanks a lot for the time as always. We'll talk to you soon. 
Patrick, thank you for what you do. We look forward to working with you coming up soon. But let's hang in there, buddy. Keep up the good work. You're you're busy right now. I can tell you. <laughs> I know. I need I need your entourage to drive me around. Thank you, Sai. Got- <laughs> All right. All right, the great Cy Seymour uh, with us uh, here. I, I may not need that entourage, actually, if we're if the truth is being told. Uh, Pilk, why don't we uh, we'll do a three-segment deal here? How about that? Sounds good. They're moving around some of the softball games I heard you say during the update. Yes, they're going to start at 1 tomorrow. So ECU games are supposed to be 5.30 and 7.30 as of now. But, you know, Mother Nature, you know, you know how she is. Well, I think kind of a will jerk. be out of here. I think everything will be out of uh, here early on. There's, there's jerks involved, but I, I don't know if uh, if Mother Nature should be considered a jerk in this. Well, equation. I was going to call um, her something else, but I'm not allowed to say that on air. Right, right. But I'm just saying there's other real jerks involved. Let's not <laughs> besmirch the good Mother Nature. By putting her in that category, please. Um, let's see here. Uh, what do we have? We have uh, pirate baseball tomorrow. Now it has been pushed back to five o'clock for uh, weather purposes in Chapel Hill at Bosch River Stadium, number eleven ECU, number fifteen North Carolina, and uh, the Pirates and Tar Heels. The first of a three-game series. The second game will be played Saturday at two at uh, the Segra Stadium in Fayetteville. And then, of course, the 2 o'clock game uh, will be uh, played on Sunday at Clark LeClaire Stadium. So 4.45 the airtime tomorrow. We are uh, preempted for baseball. And uh, that is uh, what uh, you will be hearing tomorrow uh, during this time on uh, 94.3 The Game, 94.3thegame.com and the IBX Media app. Coming up uh, on Saturday, Pirate Basketball only. Get this right, only on 107.9 WNCT, and that will be a uh, 1.30 airtime for the network, a 2 o'clock tip for uh, that game coming up on Saturday. ECU at Rice, and Rice coming off a big victory uh, last night at UAB, which uh, had been playing really well. UAB is beaten North Texas over the weekend and uh, was playing pretty good. They had gotten a win over... Uh, Memphis here recently blew them out, so uh, that was a big win for for Rice. Nothing to uh, sneeze at there. All right, uh, big thanks today to Cy Seymour for joining us uh, on the program. Good to have Cy on. We'll be back Monday as we'll go inside the uh, ECU clubhouse with uh, Cliff Godwin. Steve and I go will join me there. We'll also have inside Pirate Athletics for you coming up on uh, Monday at 6 o'clock from Tiebreakers, Ells Fork. Thanks to Philip the Ref Pilkington and intern William as well. See you in the morning on Talk of the Town, 1037-963, and back here Monday for the Patrick Johnson. You'll have a great weekend, everybody. Be safe out there.